following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Uh, title of today's message is "Don't Waste Your Life," um, and uh, and you know is is there a tendency that we can just start going through the motions at times? You know, we can fall into ruts and routines, and and uh, and sometimes we just need to be reminded that that we are that we were we were bought with a price, and that we're not our own, and that and that we're here on purpose for a purpose, right? And that the mission of God is is really the mission of our lives, and that we're meant to share that together, and uh, and, and 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 support and encourage and strengthen one another as we walk through this journey together. Um, but the context here is this. Um, if I kind of put us right in the timeline here, this coming in, in the text, this coming Sunday is the triumphal entry. This is where Jesus comes into Jerusalem. So like this coming Sunday in the next major event in the text is, uh, is, is Christ marching through Jerusalem and they're crying, Hosanna in the highest, God save us, praise the Lord. You know, our king is here. That's, that's what he's kind of addressing here and saying that's not what's going to happen here. Right. I, I have a I have a bigger plan. I have a greater uh, mission. I'm coming to die. I'm the, I'm the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I'm coming to die to rescue you, to heal you, uh, to set the captives free. And uh, and so he's, he's he's basically in this parable trying to miss trying to um, correct the misunderstanding of the prophetic in- interpretation that they have that and and uh, understandably so right like this is this is pass- Passover is this, they're on the precipice of Passover that's why everybody's coming to Jerusalem and P- Passover reminds them that uh, of their deliverance from oppression and slavery. And so, of course, that's their hunger. That's their desire um, in this moment is they want to be they want to be relieved of this. And they want all these glorious promises of David's seed, the line of David, this coming king that's going to be an eternal, uh, you know, a a throne without end. They want that to come to fruition uh, in their timeline because they're feeling the 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 pain and agony of the oppression that they're in. And yet that's not that's not. God's plan for this moment. He's a coming king and he's coming to to establish his kingdom and plan it in us by his spirit and he wants them to understand that. Also, this uh, this parable is is happening basically on the heels of Zacchaeus's basically testimony of 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 his experience of salvation. And so that's why we, we understand what's happening here and what he's talking about makes so much more sense to us when we understand what Zacchaeus has just experienced in his faith and, and uh, his, his heart transformation that has led to his mouth declaration and his, his objective to give to the poor. That's the first thing that comes out of his mouth after experiencing salvation as Jesus attests to that uh, in the text, and we'll look at that in just a moment. So that we're all on the same page, I'm going to read the passage for us again. Uh, we're in Luke 19, 11 to 27. Such a rich text. So uh, let's get our, our hearts ready and our ears receptive to just uh, the truth of God. God, help us. 
Open our ears and eyes to this, the truth of your word, please. Holy Spirit, help us. So here we are, Luke 19, 11 to 27. Let's read it together. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable, he being Jesus, because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling 10 of his servants, he gave them 10 minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to come these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came to him and said, Lord, saying, Lord, your mina has made 10 minas more. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, and you are to be over five cities. Then another came saying, Lord, here is your, your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit, you reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank and at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has the 10 minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has 10 minas. I tell you that, this is what Jesus' response to that is in his own parable. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Okay, so much to unpack here, so much benefit here. Oh, Lord, help us, right? Um, so verses 8 through 10 of this chapter helps us to understand the context. And though we've looked at that, I just think it's important we reread that. And this is, this is where Jesus tells this parable is on the heels of this moment in Zacchaeus' house where Zacchaeus has experienced the salvation of the Lord and that salvation has resulted in his proclamation of these things. And so it says here, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Now, as I mentioned last week, and I'll say it again, this, this is this goes well beyond the Levitical law of the expectations that the law requires. In fact, in one case, it's double, and in another case, it's 10 times as much. So he has no, that's not his point of reference. His heart has been so transformed through the salvation he has experienced in this moment that this is just a, a proclamation of what has transpired in him. This is just an outpouring, a result 
of, of the difference that Christ has made in his life and now how he's going to live in response to that. And in verse 9 it says, And Jesus said to him, Today, what a great assurance, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a spiritual son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Isn't it good to know that God has, a, has an objective, a passion to rescue us? Like the Son of Man came to seek and to save that was lost. And, and understanding that we're, we're not, our disposition in, in our lost state is not to, 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 to run after him or to find. He, he is the one that's finding us. And yet in Jeremiah 29, 13, it says this, you will seek me and find me when you what? When you seek me with all your heart. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Think about that. Zacchaeus didn't change his ways. Like that, that's not what happened in this moment. Zacchaeus didn't change his ways. God changed his and when, when God changes our heart through, how, how, is our heart, how are we made a new creation? How are we justified? By faith, right? Zacchaeus was, was wanting to know who this Jesus is, and he discovered who he was, put his trust in him, and, and because he, he put his faith and confidence and trust in him, he, his, his heart was transformed. He was given a new heart, a new spirit, just like Joel promised you know, like he was a new creation, a new, Jesus referred, a new lump, right? And uh, the old is gone. Behold, all things are new. And, and, and this new heart now is making declarations that are so contrary to his old life. Anybody relate? Right? I mean, that's what he, he makes us new so that, that what we do has been, is done with a whole different heart and objective and intention like we're, 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 we're actually given the heart of God. That's the soft, pliable heart that he wants us. And then he begins to mold it and make it fashion and form it as the potter could, as only the potter can do into to his image, his likeness, his wills, his wants, his ways, his word realized through our life. And the very first thing that comes out of this new heart's mouth is I will give half of what I... That's, that's not what was happening in most tax collectors before that. But, but that's, what he come, that's what he does. And, and the danger here for us in, in this parable and in this text is to believe that, that, that Zacchaeus was saved by giving half to the poor and, and, and ten fourfold back to those that he defrauded. That's not what the text is telling us. Right? And that's not what the parable reinforces. It's not our, it's not our actions. It's not our, it's not our good deeds that brings salvation. Those are the indicator, the result of the, the, the salvation we've experienced by faith. Zacchaeus had put his trust in Jesus. And when we do, we experience these transformative, uh, heart-changing moments. When we acknowledge who Jesus is, who we are and what we do is miraculously transformed. Amen? Right? Because, like, and, and that's why the text will light up for us here in just a minute. It's, you know, like one of these servants that's brought to account, 
in, in, in this moment doesn't know the master. And he makes assumptions about the master that leads to a whole different approach to what's been entrusted to him. Guys, have we been entrusted with good gifts? Right? Have we been given the gift of God's word, the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel? Have we been given a mission? Have we been given the gift of the Holy Spirit? Right? And then there's time and talent and resources. These things too that Jesus talks about in other contexts and parables. But, but like we've been given gifts equally amongst the body that are meant to, 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 to bring about the kingdom in, in this world. Like, but our challenge is, is one, not to squander those, to hide them in a handkerchief, right? Um, or, or to use them for selfish purpose. Right? Or, or miss the intention to which God has assigned those things to us. Why does God give us these gifts? In fact, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we're told why. He says, wait here in Jerusalem. You know, in, in a few days, you'll receive the gift from God. And then they, he tells them that it will be, it's a powerful gift that's meant for this, so that you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. This is, this is the, the heart of God, the intention of God. Do you think that God has, do you think that God has intention to the gifts that he gives us? Like that he, he has a purpose for that? And, and, uh, and he wants us to work within community to, to see those to fruition. And did, did Jesus manage his mina well? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, did, did, was he not an awesome example of what it looked like to, like, what did he come to do to show us the Father? You know, under the power of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God himself came and he spread the Word of God. Like, he, sp he spread the good gift. He gave his mina, right? And uh, so, so we, we, it's just important that we understand that Zacchaeus didn't change his ways. God changed his heart. So in verse 1, we understand now, most parables, it's important that we know this, most parables, Jesus tells us why he's, he's telling us the parable. Let's not wander off into some varied interpretation. He's, he's telling us why this parable is being spoken in verse 11. He says, as they heard these things, speaking of Zacchaeus's proclamation of faith and uh, the, the indications of his transformation, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem. Now, look, it's not talking about geography here. It's saying that he was near to his, the culmination, the pinnacle of his missional purpose, right? That's what it's talking about. Like he was near to the climax of the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sin of the world. And because they supposed, God, see, Jesus knew their hearts. He knew their intentions. He knew, he knew that in days coming that they would throw palm branches down, coats down, because they were so hungry for the, the, the future king to come and to make all things new. And that was not the timeline or the, or, or the mission that Jesus had in this moment. And, uh, and he wanted to clarify that because he says, because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. So that's all being clarified here. And we're still in that, that, that stage where we're called to be what? Watchful, ready, prayerful, right? Because Jesus, is Jesus coming back? 
right? He's coming back, and, and he's, he's already been given a kingdom, and he is a king. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Like, Jesus is a king that's returning, and, and the question is often like, so why isn't he back yet? And we know the answer to that. We're told that, that it's God's heart that none should perish, and that's why he's patient in Christ's return. And, and we're also told that no one knows the day, not even the son, like the father's going to send him, just like a, a bridegroom is sent to get his, his bride, right? Like on the, on the day that, sh, that, that, that they're to, to be wed. And that's the beauty of that moment. But like the father has not sent the son for the bride yet, because he is patient, not wanting any to perish, wanting us to be laborers in the field so that, so that, that, that they all might come. For God so loved the world that he gave, like he died, that we'd all be rescued. But, but the truth is, is that many are rejecting him, much like we see in this text the citizens did. We don't want this man to reign over us. Do we, do we see any of that in this world? Do we see any of that happening within our own community where people are like, I don't, want, I don't want Jesus to, re he's not Lord. I mean, that's the proclamation in that statement. So as I mentioned, the next, the next event in Luke here is coming up on his triumphal entry. Um, and here's the questions I want us to ponder this morning. And, and I remind you from last week and then we move through the text. How should we live knowing our king is coming? How should we live? I mean, I want you to really think about that. Like, does Jesus in this moment trying to call us to a different kind of um, stewardship of life, knowing that Christ is coming back? And then he doesn't pull any punches. He tells us, like, how, how things are going to go when he returns. And, and these 10 servants that are entrusted with the mind of the gift I believe of God's word and his spirit, like, like are we, have, we been, have you been entrusted with God's spirit and God's word? I have. You know, and, and the good news is like, you know, like d does, does the impact of God's word and the, the powerful work of the Holy Spirit, do, you know, like does your salvation depend on him or me this morning as I, or your sanctification? You, that's the beauty of what we'll see here is Jesus just wants us to, to be faithful with what we've been given. He's not expecting us to save the world. He's going to do that. He's not even asking us to build the church. He says, it's my church and I'll build it, right? But he's, he's asking us to be faithful with what he's entrusted to us and not to squander our life. You know, like we see in another place where Jesus calls these folks to come and follow him. And they're like, I, um, I, I just bought a field. I need to go take care of this. And, you know, and it just seems like everybody's busy doing their kingdom stuff, their things, right? I got, I, I got, I got a family member who's not feeling, you know, my dad's sick, you know, like, and he says clear things like, let the dead bury the dead, come follow me. Like, like there's a greater mission, there's a greater calling, there's a greater need for us to follow Jesus, not at a distance like Peter did and denied him, but intimately, right? And to, and to steward the gift of salvation, the Holy Spirit, God's word that doesn't return void, that's powerful and effective, that has the ability to bring about salvation. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. Like, you know, like, and we get to be, like he's invited us to be a part of 
saving the world. Sheba has this awesome shirt. Like it's this, all the superheroes, you know, like Spider-Man, Superman, all Batman, they're all there, right? And, and she's got this shirt, and, and, and in the middle of them is Jesus sitting there on the bench. They're all kind of looking at him like, and you can see they're all like, you know, and, and the caption uh, above Jesus is, and that's how I save the world, right? And, 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 and it's, you know, like that's our superhero. Like there, there's, <laughs> he's, he's the mighty righteous one. He's the one that's rescued us from darkness to light, from, from death to life, you know, and, and, and by putting our faith and trust in him, we are moved from wicked, as this one of these servants are called, and we'll talk about that in a minute. We're moved from wicked to righteous because we did some good things. No, because we put our total hope and trust and faith and confidence in Christ. We acknowledge that he is exactly who he says he is. And it is in that childlike faith, it is in that moment of surrender where we say, you know, you're Lord, whether I, I declare that or not, but, but I want you to know I, I know you're Lord and I'm yielding my life and everything in it. The days that I have remaining to your kingdom and to your glory. Because look, when we get to heaven, that we will not regret. And not that there will be regret, but you know what I'm saying. Like we want to, if we know that, that, that that's all that endures, that's all that really matters, why do we get so wrapped up? I and I say we, like, why do we get so wrapped up in our kingdom and our, you know, and she, I, I don't have time for it, but I, she, she and, I, and I had a glorious conversation around this. This can be so practical for us. You, do you ever have moments in your life where circumstances kind of try to call you to a fearful posture? Where your, your faith is tested? Like, am I, am I really, you know, am I, am, I, am I living for him or for me? Am I going to glorify God with everything that he's put in my life or am I going to, to, to seek my own gain? Right? And, and, and man, that's, that's when faith becomes so necessary and practical. Is, and and it, it truly is, a, it's very, faith is not just something we do one time where we put our hope and trust and declaration into Christ and who we, we, we agree that he is the, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Every day we make faith moves. We have opportunities to, to practice and to put our faith into action all the time. What are you doing to prepare for his return? He's coming back. Right? And, and does how we manage time and resources matter? You know, as I wrote that point, I was like, is how we manage our time and... Re I, I couldn't even put our. I just said time and resources. Because they're not ours, right? Like when we really understand and, and the way that all these parables are, are declared to us and then we're told with emphatic like intention that we're meant to see everything that we have as stewards, as, as managers, not owners. Not, that's a, that's a clear danger. Like that, that, that this is entrusted to us and it's clear in this parable that, that we're, there's going to be an account because it says, what, you, this is what your mina did. Your mina, your, that, that everything that's given to us, even the breath that we breathe and the new hearts that we have and the spirit we've been given and the body of Christ, all these glorious gifts are meant to be stewarded and understood as his. Who who's, does the body of Christ belong to? 
right? He's the head of the church. It's his church. I will build my, he says, my church. And are you a part of the body of Christ? Are you part of the church? So isn't that good to know that you're his? Isn't that sweet? He says, you've been bought with a price. You are not your own. And that's, that's, a, that's a statement of redemption. That's a statement of, of, of love. He's purchased us back to himself. He, he speaks about that over and over again in various ways. Next question is, are you investing in eternity? Are you, are you, are you making like intentional investments in eternity? Jesus' earthly ministry in this moment is, is about to come to an end, like to a culmination, to, 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 to its pinnacle. And, uh, and he starts to kind of take the, the training wheels off in his teachings. Do you notice that? Like he just gets really raw and extremely transparent and, and, and all of the teaching just becomes super poignant to this moment. And in verse 12, we continue the text and says, And he said, therefore, a noble man went to a far-off country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Jesus is describing himself, right? We have to understand that over and over again in the New Testament, he, he, when he's glorified, he's, he goes to the Father and the Father gives him, the, he puts everything under his feet, right? But, but, but before that, like he made himself nothing, taking the very form of a servant, being made in human likeness, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, and God gave him, glorified, God gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess. And he's referred to as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. And we see that throughout the Paul's letters, that, that at that point he is given a kingdom. And that's when he, that at that point at Pentecost, that's when he pours out his kingdom by the means of the Holy Spirit into us that he has cleansed, made the temples and washed them, cleansed the temples. And now he's poured out his kingdom, his spirit that's now in our midst. And we are kingdom kids. We are a community of saints uh, that, 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 are, that are now uh, living for as citizens, ambassadors of a whole different culture and kingdom. And, and everything that, all the resources that we have now, we understand are not meant for our benefit because who gets the increase? And that's the, one of the biggest challenges in this passage is that at the end of the day, the increase is meant to be, is meant to be brought back as an act of worship, as an act of worship. And so he's speaking of himself here. God the Father will put everything under his feet after he is glorified, after he is risen and now seated, which is a sign of authority. He is currently seated with the Father. We know that our king and his kingdom are coming, right? And it's come, but its full expression will be something that we will experience in days ahead. And, and here's the thing, guys, like if we, if we know that, and truly believe that, then we have to live differently, right? And, and this, this, this parable is not meant to, to say, you know, like, you, you need to be better, you need to do better. It's, it's, it's not about behavior as much as it is about believing that he is who he is, and what he's saying is factual, it's going to come to fruition, and us putting our trust and faith in his word, so, so basically, when we live knowing he's coming back and we live differently because of that, that is a statement of faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's a, that you're putting faith 
in the fact that Christ is going to do what he said he was going to do, and he is who he said he is. Look, he's not hanging on a cross anymore, right? He's, he's alive. Do you believe that? He's alive and he's seated. He's, a, he's an advocate and mediator on your behalf. Like, he's king and he's, and he's, and he's looking. Like, he's still, do you know that Jesus is still seeking to save the lost? And, and we're the means of that? Do, do you know that, that we get to be a part of this mission? And that's what, and it's so important to him, right? Can you imagine? Like, he died for it. He died for it. Do you think that he's saying, can, can you join me in this? Be a living sacrifice? Um, because this is more important than any other pursuit that we can invest in, in our lives. Verse 13, calling 10 of his servants, he gave them 10 minas and said to them, engage in business until I come. It's like John said this morning, like, you know, I, Jesus said, I'm about my father's business. Are you about the father's business? Like he wants us to engage in eternal uh, investments that have, that yield eternal rewards, you know, and benefits for, and glory for God. Engage in business until I come. Engage. He called them. Like we're called. Do you know we're called to be missional people? We're called to, to witness that this is why we've been entrusted with gifts. Notice he gave the servants one each. Like everyone has been sealed and, and, and given the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of God's word, and so much more. And I think it's important that we always recognize that these are servants, and that's what we're called to be. You know, James was the brother of Jesus. He could have used that as an accolade, but he opens up his letter in first verse and said, James, the, the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine saying that about your earthly brother, that you struggle to, which understandably so, but that, 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 is, that is the calling on our life is to be servants, to be servants, right? And entrusted servants that understand that, that our master is the most glorious and most worthy and wonderful. And like, you know, we, we want to do whatever we can for his fame and glory. And to, so what is a mina? Well, very quickly, a mina in, in, in first century Jewish culture was three months wages or a hundred days wages, uh, depending on the translation. So like you got a, a, a denarius, which is a day's wage, and then you got a talent, which is an annual wage. But this is, this is, a, this is a significant sum, right, that is being entrusted to the, to the servants. But by all means, he has greater intentions for what he is using the mina for in this, in this uh, illustration or parable. So what is he asking of them? What is he asking them to do? I want you to think about that. He answers that question. Verse 14 says, But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. Like, if you came to this passage fresh, you'd be like, What? The citizens hate him? So who, who are these people that hate him? Well, when we, when we dive in, we understand that this is the city, citizens of the nation of Israel. And this is how, they, this was their disposition towards their, their king, the very one that Pilate said, this is the king of the Jews and, and, and I'm not changing that, right? Like, and it's interesting that he's using this parable. When you put yourself in the timeline, do you know that they're actually going to say that come next Thursday? 
in Pilate's courtyard on Friday morning, excuse me. We have no king but Caesar. Right? Lie. They're just, they're just, they're just rejecting Christ's reign. And, and he's offering them, you know, to be this benevolent, loving, rescuing king. And, uh, and the citizens, it says, Jesus says this, knowing the hearts of those that would do what they're about to do to him. He says, he says the citizens hated, hated him. It tells them before they say it, as I just mentioned. And isn't it, I'll give you another occasion where that transpires. You know, Peter, Peter says, no way. Look, I'll, I'll die for you. I'll, go to die. I'll die for you. He says, this very night, before the cock crows, before tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. Isn't it interesting to know that God knows the details of every, I mean, every detail in the future to perfection? And he can, he can, and, and there's comfort in that when you know that he's not a tyrant, but he's a loving father and that he loves you, right? It, there's, there's comfort in knowing that he's aware, he knows you and loves you and is aware in, in, in ridiculous sovereign ways of every detail that's in front of us. He knows you and he loves you. Have you, have you embraced him as king? That's who he is. Have you, have you surrendered to his lordship and, and said, I'm going I'm I'm to stop living for me, doing what I want to do, expecting you to follow me. I'm going to follow you. I'm going I'm to acknowledge who you are. That's, that's, that's what faith in him brings this transformation that we're all hungry for in order for our, our behavior to have a different outcome. He wants I want him, like th- I wrote this down just as a, pro- just a proclamation of my own heart. I want him to reign over me. Do you share that? Like, I, I want Jesus to have his full expression, his full heart and intention in, in my life, right? And, and man, I don't always get that right. I don't, I, I don't, I, sometimes I'm, I'm doing me and I, it's not that I want that, right? And I hope you can relate to that too. But, but like, is it the heart intention that, Jesus, that King Jesus would have have full reign in your life and that you would love him and not hate him and embrace his, his reign in your life? Are you his servants entrusted with his resources, his mission, his spirit, his mind? We're told in, you know, in the scriptures, his mind, his heart, time, talent, money. We see with Zacchaeus. In verse 15, it goes on and says, and when he returned, now this is, this is Jesus talking about his coming return. When he returned, Having received the kingdom from the Father, you know, as we unpack the, 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 the understanding of this, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. So, question, are you spending your life, uh, excuse me, how are you spending your life and his resources? He has told us in advance that this will happen. Like we, we know that this is, this is when he comes, this is, the, the, the hope is, and please understand, I believe his posture is reward. He wants to say good and faithful servant. He wants, but, but that has everything to do with how we, how we see him and acknowledge him in, in our response to, uh, to him in our life. We have been given kingdom currency Right? The word of God doesn't return void, powerful and effective. 
Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of Christ. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been given kingdom currency. We need to understand and realize and appreciate that. The expectation is that we will invest, we will invest it for increase. That's, that's the given understanding and expectation here. Is that we will go out and, uh, and advance what's, what's been given to us. You know, much is given, much is expected. Like, like when we think about like what's been entrusted to us, it doesn't make sense for anything else for us to do. I mean, like if you had the cure for cancer and experienced the cure in cancer, and it, w- would you keep that to yourself? Or would you, just, you, you, would, you, would, you, would you charge a lot of money so that people couldn't? No, you just give it away, right? Hoping that everyone would experience the healing work Right, and, and, and that's the understanding is that God wants us to be kingdom kids that share for the purpose of his glory, his increase, right? And that's why it's, in, I mean, clearly it's entrusted to us with, with, that, with that expectation. So how are we to use what God has given to us? And, and this is not an exhaustive list, but just some thoughts here that, that I've kind of tied to scripture to relieve the debt of others. We just talked about that, to relieve the debt of others, um, to build relational equity, to justice for the poor, uh, to, do, um, to, make, to make wrong right, right? Um, to demonstrate his love and provision, right? As I talked about earlier, like when there's need within the body and they're asking God for provision, do you know that, that we're, we're the means? of seeing that to fruition. Like, um, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Like, um, invest in, to invest in the mission, to build his church. To, to, uh, and remember, the church is not a building, it's the people. Like, to build up the body of Christ. Uh, to love and to provide for the saints. And to invest in his kingdom. So I, I shared this a little bit at Men's Breakfast on, on Friday, but, but guys, I want to imagine just for a moment, maybe just for a moment, we're, we're, we're all in here. All of us are all in here, and we understand that, that God has given us all these resources for the benefit of the body, for the common good, as it says in 1 Corinthians 12 and, and in Acts 2 and Acts 4, like for the common good, right? Now, I want to ask you, if, if everyone in this room were, were all in and we all pooled our resources, Okay, right away you're thinking money, but that's probably not the highest on the priority list, right? But we pull time and talent and, and our spiritual gifts, but yes, our, our, our resources, and we pulled them all and we, and we, we brought them all to, the, to, to bear upon. I know some of that's not tangible, but, 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 but we're willing, right? And we bring all that here to this group this morning. Would everybody's need in this group be met? Would, would there be incredible excess? absolutely so so what's the problem hoarding greed pride lack of faith we're 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 more invested in our kingdom than his i mean like but but if we get down to the to the base of it to the the root of it it's we're not trusting jesus this word we're not believing he is who he is and that he's coming back and that this is what he's called us to do. Is, is some of what he entrusts to us for our benefit? Yes, but the percentage is so small in comparison to what he's given us for the mission. To, to see the world to rescue. Like, let, let me just, let's get real clear on this. Like, look at Jesus' life. 
Did he use the things that God the Father gave him for himself? Did he, did he, did he, did he, did he, or did he use all of the gifts and the abilities, the time, talent, his time, did he use it for the Father's business and for the salvation of the world? And in order to, and he set the example for us because we're called to be little Christ, Christians. That's what Christians means. Little Christ. Like together, because we can't do it, <laughs> we need, we need a to, to, to fulfill the, the scope of ministry that Jesus has promised we will fulfill, like we need each other. And it, and it requires everyone giving to the... And look, let, let me tell you, just, just my heart to yours, what tends to happen, and this is universal, it seems, in most churches, is the 80-20 rule. It's, it seems like 20% of the, of, the, of the mass of the body does 80% of the work and... You know, and, and then what happens is you see people that are that are that are fully committed to this, that are that are that are gonna go all in, they get burnt out. They get weary, they get tired, right? Because because not everybody's committed to the to the to the mission. Like like can can we all get in? Can we make steps? Because not because that's gonna gonna get us any reward or that's going to earn us anything favor with God, but because that's what Christ has called us to. And it's evidence of what we believe. I, I remember, I'll, I'll share this quickly, like um, I remember we, uh, we used to do this wilderness trip. We would hike the Appalachian Trail for a week in North Carolina. And, um, and we would train for about six to eight weeks and uh, because, I mean, it's, you, you know, we don't take tents. You're hiking under tarps, and, and uh, it's pretty rustic. And, and, uh, but it's an amazing experience to get out together with seven to ten other people and, and just do life in that type of context. And, and, uh, and one of the things that you do as part of the kind of the team-building experience is we get to the outfitters, and uh, it's a college campus in Asheville, North Carolina, and we, and we get there, and everybody's brought their pack, and, you know, you, you want to make sure that your pack is anywhere between 28 and 32 ounces. You don't, I mean, pounds. You don't want to carry more than that. And, uh, but when you get there, there's some supplies that we need. So what they do is they throw out a ton of, like, food, like canned food, you know, all kinds of, and, and they just put it all on the ground on a tarp, and they said, okay, uh, team, that, that's your food for the week. You decide the menu. You decide what you carry, what you don't carry. Totally up to you. Like, you, you, you guys, this is an exercise. You work it through. So, obviously, we all get around, and we start kind of setting up a menu, and we're going to need this and need this and need this. And, this. and by the end, it, we needed most of the stuff that was there. But now the time comes where, okay, who's going to carry it? Right. And so, you know, um, some some of the more stronger or ambitious folks uh, and they might not be the same people, by the way, um, like start just saying, I'll take this and I'll take this. And, you know, and they start adding that to their pack. And, you know, ideally and, and that's the way it always goes. You know, it all got taken. And it was in in the packs. But as we go through the journey. Right. As we go through the journey, what happens is like the, the moment we start, you know, hiking and carrying that weight. Right? What ends up happening is someone's like, hey, can we eat what's in my pack tonight? I know it's not on the menu, but can we, can we just eat that? You know, like, and, uh, and then others are like, it's okay, I'll, I'll, I can carry some of your weight if that's really given you. A, thank you for expressing that need. I'll put it, and it becomes this sharedness that is necessary for us to walk through the hard journey 
of life with its ups and downs and its, you know, and sometimes, anybody here, does your pack feel heavy at times? Anybody? Right? Or, or maybe, maybe your pack's light. And wouldn't it be ideal to say, hey, um, Logan, I can tell <laughs> your pack's pretty heavy and that's because you're trying to be a servant. You're trying to, be the, you're trying to carry the, the weight of, of a lot of us and we had several on the trip that were just like, they would just, they would just I used Logan because he was the pinnacle. Like he, this, this kid was servant's heart and, and he was going to, you know, he was going to, if it meant him going down, he was going to take as much as he could just for the benefit of the team. You know what I mean? And doesn't that translate to the body? Like if, if everybody, like everybody's, listen, let's, let's, Let's carry the weight that we can carry for the season that we're in. And when we're in a season where our pack's feeling kind of heavy, can we, can we express that, hey, my, my pack is... I would love that to become a part of our, our, our cultural language. Hey, my pack's feeling pretty heavy today. You know, what can I carry? Uh, you know, we're even told, like Paul says, carry one and sh- share one another's what? Burdens. Right? It doesn't mean that we take it all, but if everybody takes a little, doesn't it help? Like, man, I, I remember wanting to like carry my load, right? And I remember going, man, this this is it. you know, like there was moments we were we weren't hiking, we were crawling up the mountain. Like that's just what it required, and and it was so it was you know like when, when that meal was eaten, man, I just felt like oh, you know, like like let's let's make sure that we're we're all doing our part because otherwise you know what happens and this happened too is like people start to fall out are we seeing that in the kingdom like people have just too much on them and they're starting to fall out and they just if everybody does their part like it's it's not overwhelming on any and that's that's really the design and desire here so the first came to him and said lord your mina has made 10 mina minus more. Here's what I want to point out. There's two things here that we, have, we can't miss. Is First of all, it's whose mina? It's his mina. Like, it's his. It's his word. It's his spirit. It's his gifts. It, it, it's all his. Like, let's be good stewards. But secondly, isn't it interesting, and this is one of the most powerful things that came out for me in, in personally and appreciated, is it says, your mina has made 10 minus more. It doesn't say that the servant did it. It says the mina did it. Let me, under, let me unpack that. God's word and God's spirit is, is the one that's going to see the mission to fruition. Right? It's not by power or by might, but by my spirit. Who, who, who saves? And by what means? Through his word, by his spirit. But here's the thing. We get to be stewards. We get to be, we get to be the, the, the instrument, the conduit, the help meet in this opportunity. And the reason I share that is, is that I, sometimes we put all this weight on us, like we got to go save the world, right? Like, like who's, who's building the church? Who's saving the world, right? It's, God's doing that, and what he wants you to do is, it's like Moses at the, at the bush, right? He says, ah, not me, I'm out, I can't do it. God said, who said anything about you doing it? I'm doing this. I just want you to be my mouthpiece. Same deal. 
right? It's not by power by might, but by my spirit. God's saying that like it's the mina that brings about the minus, right? It's the, it's the, it's the very thing that God's given us that's going to bring about the very thing that he's going to like commend us for, but he's not saying, he's saying that you're a good servant. You're being, you've been faithful with what you've been entrusted with. The rescue of the world is not our responsibility, but God in his grace and mercy has invited us to be a part of it. And are we stewarding the means of salvation, which is God's spirit and God's word, which, uh, which the Lord has entrusted to us. So he says, Lord, your, your mina has made 10 mina more, minas more. And he said to him, well done, good, good servant, because you have been faithful with what's entrusted to you, in very little you shall have authority over ten cities. And that makes perfect sense because it's like Paul says, like, what is, what is his reward? The very ones that are coming to faith, right? And so when, we, when we're in eternity, we, we possibly get to, 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 to be shepherds over those that God has used us to help. Look, have I saved anybody in my lifetime of 33 years of ministry? No. But... But my role as pastor, as a teacher, and, and every gift is meant to have the same objective is to steward the gift that's been given and to, and to share that gift and to, and to trust that it's God who's going to do the rescue and the saving. And part of that takes the burden off of, oh, I mean, I don't, I don't have to save the world, but, but God's going to save the world. That's where my faith and trust is in God's going to do it and he's invited me to be a part of it. That is so exciting. The second said, uh, came and said, Lord, your mina has made, f- your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, uh, and you are to be over five cities. So what are we to learn from this? This is our ideal motivation to serve, to please the Lord, to please the Lord. And when we look at this, it's, it's faith in action, right? It's not, it's not, we're not trying to earn anything. Right? It's our confidence in who he, sa- who he is and what he said, and we're putting that into practice. Are you being faithful with God's gifts? That's the question. They said, your mina has made. I, I've mentioned that. There are eternal rewards at, at, at stake here. right? And we are developing our eternal resume. We are always living out what we believe. That's what we have to understand. We, whether we believe Christ, we're always living out what, like if you, we, we sit, we talked about this in class, like, like if someone had intimate knowledge of how you use money, they would clearly know who your God or gods are. Right? How we spend our time. Um, though, but, but let me be clear, those are indicators. The, 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 the catalyst is faith in Christ Jesus that changes our heart and then redirects everything in our life. Verses 20 and 21 go on to say, and then another came saying, Lord, here, and this is it, here is your mina, he gets that right, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. Why? Why? Two reasons. First one, for I was afraid of you. Second one, because you are a severe man. And you take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. I have a question for you. Is that Jesus? Does that sound like Jesus to you? That he takes what he did not sow, that he's a thief? That sounds like somebody else. 
That's not Jesus. You know, he doesn't know his master. And do you know that's what actually makes him wicked? It's not what he did. How are we saved? By faith. Like it's what we believe about Jesus. And, and so we're made righteous from being wicked. We're made righteous through belief. It's not about what he did. It's about what he believed that motivated what he did or didn't do. Does that make sense? That's so important that we get that. Because what, what drives everything that we do is what we believe about who God is. John said there was a quote a few weeks ago about this. That's not, that's not Jesus. That's not who he is. But what's so interesting, you know like in, in um, Matthew chapter 7 it says, by the measure you judge, you will be judged. Like we get to, we set the own, our own standards of judgment by how we judge others. Like that's very, <laughs> that's sobering. But here is he saying a similar thing. Like he, he goes on to say, I'm going to condemn you by your own words, your own perception of me. You're going to get from me what you believe I am. Do you see it? <laughs> We're responsible for our own condemnation because we rejected Jesus. But if we, if we accept Christ, if we believe he is who he is, what happens is we are transformed and then the outward expression of that is also transformed. you see it? Because we're not talking about deeds here. Those are the evidence, just like with Zacchaeus, those are the evidence of a transformed life. It's, more, it's so much more about what we believe, about who Jesus is. And this guy is, is declared wicked by, by his master because he doesn't really know him. He was motivated by fear rather than faith. Right? And this is interesting. Do you struggle with fear of failure? Can I, can I say something to you this morning? This is so important. I can't miss this. Like, this is so important. Like, there are so many people that are afraid to be kingdom kids because they're afraid of failure. Right? And we see this in this text. And, and let, me, let me relieve you of that by saying this. Who's going to get the job done? Who's going to finish what he started? Who's building the church? Who's, who's going to see the mission to its end? <laughs> who's in charge? Like, like he's going to get this done with or without us. Right? And, he's, and, and it's our confidence that, that it's his mission and it's his power and it's, it's his objective and, and he's going to see it to, to reality. Our confidence then becomes in him, not in us. Do you see it? The problem with Moses at the burning bush was he wasn't going to be on mission. He wasn't going to be the instrument that God wanted him to be because he took personal inventory of what he could or couldn't do. Rather than saying, oh God, this is what you're doing? Okay, I'll, 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 I'll be your instrument. I'll he said, what did God say to him? Who made your mouth? <laughs> like, this is my thing, right? Like, and, 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 and that's good news, right? That's good news. Because fear of failure is a testimony of, of us not trusting God for the promise of what he's uh, seeking to accomplish. It's just not about what we can or can't do. It's what he did do and will do. Our faith is not in what we can do or not do, but in what he will do. Does that make sense? That we're putting our faith in him and his promises. Our lives should be a demonstration of faith in his promises. He probably didn't think, in my opinion, he probably didn't think that he was coming back. Because if he did, this would not have been what happened. Right? He, he, he wasn't trusting him at his word because he told him he was coming back. 
But if we don't know him and love him, we will not honor him with his gifts and be, and be condemned by our own words and actions. So it finishes like this. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. Again, what made him wicked wasn't what he did, but what he believed about his master. He knew that I, he said, it says, you knew that I was a severe man. In, one, in, in the Amplified, it says, you perceive, like it's saying like, that was your assumption, right? You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. And so what made this servant wicked? What he thought he knew. More importantly, who he thought he knew. And guys, do you think that there are people out in our community that, that have a, a really poor perception of who Jesus is and, and think that he is something very different than, he, than, than who he is? And that, that is how, that's, that's how they live in relationship to him. But for, for us, for us, our kingdom kids, that know we have a different relationship. We have a different understanding. And so we should live with a different set of priorities and, and, and knowing that he's coming back. Did you know, do you know him? Really know him? Right? There are so many misconceptions about God. Yet he has revealed himself to us in creation, in his word, by his personal testimony of his word, by his son, by his spirit. He has spoken with great clarity over the annals of history. And in verse 23, it says, Why then did you not put my money, my money, the master says, in the bank? And at my coming, at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. The question is, who gets the benefit of our investments? Who gets the glory? Who gets the increase? That's, that should be our heart and intention. Are you living out your faith in, in, in his return? Are you living out a faith that, that, that thoroughly is convinced of his return? Are you investing what God has given to you eternally? In what ways are you pleasing him with your life? These are all questions that we need to ponder. And this is a profound statement. This is where our faith gets really practical if you think about it really practical where your treasure is there your heart will be also and the parable continues and finishes he says and he said to those who stood by take the mina from him this can seem confusing right take the mina from him who had one and give it to the one who who has the 10 minus and of course there's a question or objection it says and they said to him lord he has 10 minus i tell you that everyone who has more will be given but from the one who has, has not, even what he has will be taken away. See, do you believe that the kingdom economy is different? That the last shall be first and the first? Do you think that it's an upside down concept to what we believe the world's economy? Like it's different and, he's, and Jesus is helping us to understand something here. And here's the two principles. Faithfulness in eternity is marked with abundance. Did you hear that? Faithfulness in eternity is marked with abundance. Squandering our gift or gifts leads to eternal poverty. There's the principle that Jesus wants us to understand. And how we, how we, how we invest in eternity or in our lives you know, is important. Are you investing in eternity? There's the question. 
Faith spends differently and eternally. That's what, are you spending in faith or in fear? In his kingdom, yours. And then finally, verse 27. But as for these enemies, previously referred to as citizens that hated him, right, of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, right? These are ones that rejected his, his lordship at this stage in the game when he comes back. Bring them here and slaughter them before me. This is a sobering moment, right? This is the weeds and the wheat in a, in a, in a, in a, in a more like raw statement. Jesus warns us in advance. Those who remain enemies of God and resist his reign will have a bitter result. That's what we're told, right? And so what should that do for us as the saints? Should that not, should that not compel us to share the gospel and to do what, he, what, he, what, what, what a changed heart desires and results in? Ideal justice is to be justified in the cross, right? Like Jesus doesn't want anybody to perish. He came to save the world. But we know there are people that are just in a staunch position of rejecting him and his reign in their life. Have you decided and declared Jesus King and Lord? I hope that that's true of you this morning. I hope this morning that you have made a sincere declaration, knowing that he is king. We don't make him king by our declaration. We accept and realize and acknowledge that that is who he is. And he is good, and he is benevolent, and he is kind, and he is merciful. He is, he is love, and, uh, and he wants to rescue us. But if we reject that to the bitter end, mm. and I thought this, this verse would... Uh, in fact, I will, I will save this final verse for our benediction. Uh, if we could stand and the worship team would come. Guys, as, um, as they come and prepare for this last song, can, can we really ponder like, what it means for... Here's the danger. Um, don't walk out of here and not really consider what the text is calling us to here. There, there is, I mean, I am, I am so thoroughly convicted by this and in, in, in moving in different directions and, and using time, talent, resources, God's spirit and God's word for his kingdom and his glory. And, uh, and what does that mean for you, for us, as, uh, as we've been given this, this, this wonderful reminder uh, today? So let's stand, let's worship, let's praise, let's be, re- be mindful and examine our hearts and ask the, the Lord to help us. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.